Hey friend, this podcast is brought to you by The Family Thrive, an expert-led, science-backed online community for parents who want to dig deeper and do better. Join us at thefamilythrive.com. Part of being an actor is putting yourself in other people's shoes and understanding the background, like even look at like Cruella, right? To know that this woman that is thought of as so evil has a backstory and there's a reason and there's something that happened to her in her childhood that makes her be so hateful, but really it's just someone calling out for love and attention. And so if we can share that earlier, then, you know, maybe we can put a stop to some of the hate and some of the the drama that goes on around the world. And so I've always just wanted to reach out and help be helpful. If you're old enough to be a parent, then you most likely grew up with Melissa Joan Hart on your TV. From Clarissa Explains It All to Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Melissa seemed like she was a mainstay on television in the 1990s. All these years later, she continues to have an amazing career, not just as an actor, but as a director and producer as well. More importantly, she's a mom of three and an amazing human being. Audra and I met her several years ago after our son Max went on the Jimmy Kimmel show, which is a whole story in itself. But it led to Melissa's oldest son, Rainbow Looming for Max, and them supporting a fundraiser for our nonprofit, Maxel Project. Melissa has stayed in touch over the years, continuing to support Maxel Project, and now the family thrive. We had an absolute blast talking with Melissa. We dug into her childhood, her upbringing, her career. But most of all, we talked about real parenting issues. The shock of finally becoming a mother, the struggle to raise authentic, caring kids in this age of smartphones and social media, getting kids to do chores, uh, coping with the last tooth lost, the last kindergarten graduation, and most importantly, who would her kids choose to save in a burning car, her or her husband, Mark? This was a super fun episode. So without further ado, here is the truly wonderful Melissa Joan Hart. Hey guys hi oh God, thank you so much so for good. joining us thank you for doing this yes thank you it's so awesome to see you to we're so, I know. so excited to talk to you it's been years since i've seen you guys it is it was so let's let's go back in time then it was like the hottest day of the year in southern california i think maybe ever at that time in september was, for the lumathon yeah. And I remember everybody was just like in their cars in air conditioning, you know, for that event. And it was, so it was just, I remember, I remember exactly. I stole my sister's dress and I wore this beautiful little sundress that day. And, um, and I'm so glad I did because I always love seeing those pictures and it reminds me of that day and, and, and of how hot it was, but Elsa was there. Right. And Anna. <laughs> yeah. The pictures are gorgeous. Yeah. And you help one of our moms shave her head for child cancer research. Yes. Those pictures are beautiful. Her child yes. is doing really well. Um, in survivorship and yeah you just you brought so much to that event and it was just really such a highlight for so many of us you know it's something that was I mean Tustin California doesn't get you know treated like that very often so I know our community really really enjoyed it oh and it was such fun and me and my kids have such a good memory of it it was um it was just so much fun for us too you know they had such fun you guys made it uh, like absolute fun for the kids and, uh, and it, it was so meaningful, especially because my son, they, because they got to meet Max and they got to kind of understand a little bit more about, you know, the ways other kids live and, 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 uh, things that, you know, trials that they have to go through in life. And, and it really gave Mason, especially my oldest one, it gave him, who's now 15, it gave him this outlook on life that kind of 
it created a little empathy. He was a pretty empathetic kid, but it just like created another level. And it was really exciting because he went back. I don't know if I ever told you this, but he went back to, to my work a few times and he would loom for, he would rainbow loom for people at work. He would sit backstage. They made him a little market stand and he would sit back there and he would like, well, I guess we did tell you because he ended up fundraising for you guys. <laughs> one night he made like 150 bucks and like he would do it once in a while. And this one night in particular, he got like 150 bucks from the crew. So we were doing a live show and he was like backstage, like taking orders from the crew. What colors do you want? What style do you want? I have this style, this style, this style. And he'd make them all bracelets. And I still have a ton of those bracelets. They're probably back here behind <laughs> me somewhere. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. Like a social entrepreneur, right? So that's how we connected. I think it was from from a mutual friend who was working with you. And somehow I think it was around when Max had done the whole thing with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, yeah. did, Mason, it, did you see that or Mason saw that or something happened there where I think he was rainbow looming anyway. And then he saw this thing with Max and was like, well, I'm going to do it for a cause. Yeah, yep. I think he was. I think amazing. he had just kind of gotten into it. We had just gone to like, you know, one of the craft stores and gotten a ton of products to, to just start doing it. But it wasn't until he met Max, I think that he really was like, he, he, he made it very serious. You know, I feel like those things he'll often like do and then be done with. He's kind of gone back to rainbow looming like all of his life. And I think it, it, a lot of it came from like seeing Max do it, seeing that code on Jimmy Kimmel, like all that stuff. Like he just... Yeah. Yeah. got really into it. He loved that he could be creative, that he could fundraise, that he, you know, all these things. So I, I still like, he still won't let me throw it away. And he's 15. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, oh Max is going to love to hear that. He's 15. He's an amazing football player. It looks like. Yeah. It's a yeah, totally a new time in life, player. right? Oh my gosh. The next 10 years <laughs> of my life is going to be like holding my breath for these boys on the field, just like taking these hits and stuff. It's like, oh, but it's uh, it's fun. It's it's really exciting. It's something my husband was always into football. So we were like pretty sure this day was going to come. So here it is. You know, like he's getting to play his football and, and my husband's getting to sit there and be the super fan that he always wanted to be. So, oh, it's amazing. And he, and Mason's a so is he a sophomore now? He is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How old's Max? He's a freshman. Okay. So he's just a year. Okay. He's 14. Yeah. Yep. He's 14. So he's, he's new to high school and we moved to Savannah, Georgia in January. So he's at a whole new, whole new high school. We're not that far from you then. Cause we just moved to Nashville in the fall, last fall, like almost exactly a year ago. Not, not that far either. No, not at all. How, how do you like it? How do they like it? You know, I, I haven't been able to put myself in that situation of like, do I like it or do I not like it? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I had to come willingly. My husband wanted to be in the South again. And it was just something I had to like put my heart into of like, we're just going to do this. It's going to be 10 years. If we don't love it, we'll, you know, we'll make that decision later. But it's something I just sort of like dove right into, like just have to be here. Yeah. And big part of where we are in Nashville is because of football and like the coach, we love the coach. He was a big inspiration when we moved here. And so, I mean, I like it. I, I'm, I, it's freezing cold right now i almost cursed i know right freezing cold because, and i'm like not i'm like what is going on like i gave up all my coats i have nothing to wear I, i'm not it's not no, okay it, i'm like I'm it, from tahoe and like yeah it right it's a legit overnight. winter feeling yeah it feels more like connecticut than the yeah. south right it's like, well, there's frost on the ground i was like did it snow last yeah. night yeah. Can I plant my daffodils? Is it too late? Someone told me to wait until after Thanksgiving. When do you plant your daffodils? Are you doing, do you do bulbs? I, I brought, I bought a whole thing of bulbs. I'm so excited, but I haven't planted, he doesn't know this yet, but I haven't planted anything yet. 
and I'm waiting for them to come. I'm like, it better not frost. Cause you're supposed to like, I need to soak them and like do all this stuff. And then, right. Mine already, it already frosted here. Like the last two nights. And I'm like, I got upset this morning Mark and I were driving the kids to school together. And, and I was like, well, I guess there go my daffodils again. And he's like, Oh no, we won't have little yellow flowers in the spring. And I was like, you don't know how upsetting that is to me. <laughs> I, I take my gardening very seriously. Okay, so that's really cool to hear. Is that something that has always been important to you? Like in your in your adult life? Did you did you get into that when you were younger? I like pretend to do a lot of things. I pretend to scrapbook. <laughs> I pretend to garden. I mean, I'll get out there once in a while and get myself really dirty. I never prepare myself. I never put the gloves on completely or get the clippers or the bench yeah. or the knee pad or whatever. I, I have I have all of it and I want to. Um, but like most of the time I'll just like go rip like the vines down and I just get thorns all in my hands and I'm like, I got to get these vines out of here. Like I don't really prepare. I just sort of go after it and do it. I don't like pick a day, which is probably why my daffodils aren't in the ground yet. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of more attack things. Like I see something and I'll like go outside the door and I'm like, I have to take that down or I have to fix that or I have to replant that. Right. But I don't like. Go like today's my gardening day and I'm going to go, you know, cut some hydrangeas and lovely, you know, pruning my whatever, you know, I don't really <laughs> totally identify with that. Like it's impulsive, right? It's sort of like this needs to this needs to get done. And I tend to do it like when it's so hot out here. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Well, so what I'm he hearing is that you will just feel called like, uh, yeah. the, like <laughs> and then you just answer the call. And so then what that brings to mind is the story of how you even got into the acting business. You were watching TV shows and there was there, there were no characters named Melissa. And well, so it was Romper Room. It was one specific show, Romper oh. Room. Oh. And they never said, I don't know if you guys remember that show. You're probably too young. Like, no, we're I, the same age. We're the same Are age. We? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's so great. Do you remember Romper Room? I don't though. <laughs> Do you? So, I don't. I Well, so you were in New York. Like you grew up in New York, right? So yeah. I, where in I, New York? I grew up in Arizona. Long so Island I, and the city when I was a teenager. Oh, okay. I grew up upstate. But I still okay. don't remember Romper Room. <laughs> well, I don't. Remember, I wish I could say what channel it was on, like PBS or something. It was sort of like a Sesame Street, like a show where a woman named Miss Marianne would sit and like read to children. I forget. I don't even know what the show technically did, but I know that there was always there were guests, little kids that would sit in front of her and be like story time kind of thing. And at the end of it, she would pick up her mirror and go, "I see." You know, I see Justin and I see Mar like she would say all the kids name. She would never say Melissa. And I finally put together that if I could get in the audience, she's saying those kids names. That's those are the names she's saying. So if I got in the audience, she'd say Melissa for all the Melissa's out there. And so that's oh. so you felt <laughs> called. So so yeah. so you you answered the call. I don't know if that makes me competitive or Yeah. Like, so I or helping people like be seen and heard. Like you recognize like it would be nice for our name, our name. It'd be nice not for just all your the name. Melissa's out there to yeah. have Miss Marianne say their name in the magic <laughs> Right. Right. It's like Having your name on one of those little license plate, like keychains, you know, my name was never yes, on those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there were, there, I think I feel like there used to be a lot of Melissa's. There's not so much anymore, but yeah, that, that was a big thing for me. So that's, that's the catalyst. That's sort of so, where it started. Yeah. And so I'm really interested in these like defining stories where you can see a person's life and personality and their like true authentic self in, in these early stories. So I'm wondering, like, what does this story say about Melissa? Like, what does it say <laughs> about like the true authentic Melissa? That 
I really want people to say my name. (laughs) 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 Makes a lot of sense, actually, putting it like that way. Some people say my name, and yet I've always been called other names like Sabrina and Clarissa. (laughs) (laughs) So you started early. How did you like? How did you feel called to act? Well, I literally just said to my mom, I have to be on TV. Like it was, it was about romper room, but it was like this whole other thing of like, I just, I need to be on TV. And she was like, got it. Okay. And she knew someone who was a manager and she called them and got me an audition. And I booked the first audition. It was a bathtub doll. I had to be naked. I was terrified. I was in underwear, (laughs) but I had to show my boobies in the bathtub. And um, yeah, I was four, but I had to play with a doll in the bathtub. It was my first job ever. And all those lights and people. And it was just, kind of crazy, but, um, I kept booking auditions. I kept booking commercials. So I was a really big commercial kid and commercials make a ton of money. You know, if you get a national commercial and it plays a lot, you can make a good amount of money. So all of a sudden, you know, my family, my dad was a fisherman and my mom was a stay at home mom. And at the time she was pregnant with her third kid, I think when I started acting, right? Yeah. I guess she was about pregnant with the third and she was only gosh, 24. Oh my uh, God. 24. Yeah. And so, you know, she'd been pregnant since she got married. So she, um, we didn't have a lot. So having me work and like it, it was easy enough. I could go to the city, do a few auditions. I booked almost every other audition. So it was worth it. Cause then I'm shooting commercials and I might work one day or five days. And then, you know, the, the residuals would kind of roll in over the next year or two as, it, as much as it played. And so it was good money. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of that. I got a Barbie doll. Um, if I got a job, so, you know, I got a Barbie and and then the money went to, you know, food and bikes and clothes and <laughs> mortgage. Yeah, that's amazing. So It is. I mean, that's an incredible story. And so your dad's a fisherman, your dad's going to work. What kind of I'm curious, what kind of fisherman? Let's see. When I was really little, he was breeding clams. He actually really? now breeds oysters. Yeah. So they had a shop. He and his brother had a shop down by the water. We lived on Long Island on the South Shore, and he and his brother had a shop on the bay. And, um, they'd go down there and, and, uh, and they still both own, now they own the whole marina and the boatyard and oh, they have, so cool. like, my uncle owns half and my dad owns the other half and their best friend used to live on the property and, um, until he passed away. And, um, and so it's like these two brothers and their sons work with them. And my sister works with my dad and sort of like this whole family little area of Long Island. And so it used to be breeding clams. And then when I was, when I was about six or seven, he started a construction company building homes. I, I don't know if my dad's like me. He just can't hold still. So then he, then he went into wholesaling lobsters really? for a long time until the West Nile virus. Do you guys remember when the oh, West Nile virus? Oh yeah. Came? I can't No, West Nile. Yeah. 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 Yep. The, I was the, thinking the mad cow. And the, yeah. Uh, before kind of pre Zika, but like, yeah, you know, yep. Yep. So West Nile virus wiped out the lobsters in New York. And because the spray mosquitoes, yeah, because mosquitoes and lobsters are in the same species or something. There's in some sort of same genetic makeup. So when they sprayed all the water for mosquitoes, they killed all the lobsters. So his career was done with the lobsters idea. And then he went to breeding oysters. And so he and my sister breed oysters. And right now, because it's not oyster season, they are breeding kelp. So this if you go so to a cool. spa and get a kelp facial, it might be my dad's kelp. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a serial entrepreneur. It's so weird. If you look at his picture, if you look at like his, his, uh, their shop is like full of all this algae to feed the oysters and now all this kelp. And it just, it sort of looks a little bit like a meth lab in a way. It's like all these weird, crazy, like <laughs> bins of cult, like neon colors and, and like bags <laughs> of fluid. And stuff, yeah. Like, 
it's super bizarre, but it's really cool. And neither of them, yeah. like he and my sister that both run it, they've, they didn't go to school for it or anything, but technically they're like marine biologists, I guess. Cause they, yeah. they know how to read all this stuff. It's crazy, but I'm not, I don't know much about it except eating it. So <laughs> I thank you for sharing this. I love discovering these, these sorts of things. Like these stories I feel like are just fantastic. It's, and so, and so your mom then would, you know, in addition to, you know, you've got the home, the kids, all these young kids, she's young and she's taking you into the city to work. Yeah. She's dragging all of us. I mean, my sister and I were very close in age and looked very similar, um, two years apart and we would audition for almost everything together. She was just, my sister was a little bit more emotional, a little bit more moody. <laughs> and I was more like, I'll eat the, you know, cereal and say it's the best thing ever. Sure. You yeah. know? And so I kind of booked all the auditions. My sister had to find her own identity later on in life to, she became the smart one. She's a, a New York city public school teacher. What grade? Uh, she was teaching eighth grade math until the pandemic. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's, that's intense. That's an intense. I know. I have, like, like, if you're gonna... eighth graders, I'm like, can you help? Can you tutor them on zoom? Like, can you help? Yeah. Yeah. At all, please send the math problems on, you know, text message or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so my sister and I did that a lot together. And like all of us ended up doing it. My two younger sisters did a lot of theater. They both had good voices and did singing and dancing. And But eventually kind of everybody dropped out of the business except for my mother and I. My mother became a, a manager because so many people came to her then and were like, hey, get my kid into acting. And she was like, all right, I'll start managing. And then we, and then my mom divorced my dad when I was about 14. I just started Clarissa explains it all moved to Manhattan and, um, and they had five kids at the time. And, uh, mm. we all were now living between two homes really on Long Island and Manhattan. And, um, my mom became my uh, casting director. So she was now casting commercials and stuff like that. So she's finding the actors to put in projects, different projects. And then she started our, while we were living in Manhattan, she was handed on a playground, she was handed a comic book of Sabrina, the teenage witch from the Archie comics. And she was like, well, this would be a great show. And since we, I'd already worked at Nickelodeon, which was a Viacom company, she went to Viacom and said, Hey, we want to make this a movie for Melissa. They sold it to Showtime. We did a movie that one stars like Ryan Reynolds and some other familiar yep. faces you'd probably know. And then we spun that off into the TV series, moved to LA and did that for seven years. And then she had two more kids. So. <laughs> It's incredible. So your mother, w when did she marry your dad? She got married when she was 19. 19, had kids immediately. Y yeah, she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, there you go, immediately. And and look, I mean, I just, I am so inspired to hear about how she built this incredible career from, you know, learning along the way, learning, growing, and then, and then kind of like getting into these new spaces and she's fascinating. I mean, she is, it's so funny to think of my mom and my dad together because they're such opposites. He wants to stay in his little hometown. Won't even like come visit me. I'm like, come to Lake Tahoe. We'll drive around on the boat. He's like, I have my own boat. Why do I need to come to you? You know, he's, he's that kind of like homebody guy. And yeah. then my mom is this like lifelong learner, right? She, I remember her going to college online, which I didn't even like, like now that I think about that, I can't even believe that existed in like the eighties when we were when I was, when I was a kid, I guess it wasn't technically online. I guess it was like, do the work at your own pace and come to oh, school. Correspondence or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. <laughs> but she like was working on her college degree later on. And then, you know, and then she learned how to be a manager and then a talent agent and then a producer. And now she like has an apartment in LA, an apartment in Paris, bounces around. She calls herself a boomerang grandparent. She's got 10 grandkids and she goes from like New York, San Diego, Nashville, Ella, Paris, like she's in Paris right now, but like the other day she was in Ireland and now I think she's in Spain and like every day is like a different place and she just can't hold still and she just wants to learn and she's, 
learning French again because they have an apartment in Paris. So she's going to learn French, but she's learning how to cook in Italy. And you know, it's like skiing uh, in the Alps and like all this crazy wild, but at the same time we're developing TV shows and movies and doing Christmas movies and whatnot. She and I are, are cut from the same cloth for sure. I don't know if I got it from her or her mother. I think probably we both got travel bug from her mother, but um, yeah, I mean, just always, always anxious to learn more and do more. So I have a question that I was going to wait to ask, (laughs) but now that we're talking about your childhood and your mother now, I mean, of course, your childhood is so unusual, you know, how are you able to take lessons from your childhood and apply them to your parenting? Like, what can you take from the way that you grew up and bring it into what you're doing now? Well, I think we all struggle with that in a way, though, because Mm -hmm. the way we grew up, like, not just me and my family and our weird, like, you know, being a recognizable face thing, mm-hmm. like all that aside, there's just, there's always these weird things. Like my family, I grew up with, you know, if you wanted a bicycle, you waited till Christmas. My kids are growing up with like, my son lost his fifth pair of AirPods. Am yeah. I really going to go to Costco and buy another $150 bo- pair? Like he's lost like right. the equivalent of almost like a thousand dollars worth of AirPods. Am I really like, why do I keep <laughs> right, buying or keep right. stealing mine? And then I go buy myself new ones and let him have mine. And I'm like, why do I keep doing that? Like, that's not what would have happened to me or my husband or like my husband grew up in Alabama, like Southern rural Alabama. Like that, he was allowed birthday presents and Christmas presents. That was it. Like for me, it was like, I got a Barbie doll if I did a commercial, but like, you know, and I, I was never denied anything, school clothes and, you know, at the beginning of the school year sure. and things like that. But if I lost something, it was gone, you know, and these kids are growing <laughs> right, up in a right. totally different way and it's there's that aspect and then you add on the fact that like you know i i was raised in this way so my my 15 year old and i got in a fight the other day because i said when football's over in a few weeks you got to get a job he he's going to be 16 and in nashville that means he can drive which is scary but um he wants to take flying lessons like he wants to be a pilot so he's been taking flying lessons and those are expensive and he and his football and all of his camps he wants to go to next summer and i'm like you got to start like you don't even do chores around the house. Cause you're like, Oh, football's so intense. Okay. Well, when football's over, are you going to get a job at Chick-fil-A or are we going to like, you know, go work at the local, yep. I want you to work in the movie theater. So you're not like out in the sun and like always doing physical stuff. Let's do something else. But he's like, I can't do that. I couldn't, do you understand how hard I work at football and school? And I'm like, Whoa, dude, at your age, I was holding down a full-time job working 70 hours a week. I had Saturdays yes, off. Yes. I was living I was living in Florida while my family's in New York and I'm learning 50 pages a week. And if I don't have that memorized by Tuesday, the rest of the crew has to wait for me to go home to their family and they don't get to go to dinner. You know, like you don't under, like you're telling me about stress and I'm trying to relate to him and he, there's no relation. It's, it's, it's like apples and oranges. Oh, that's intense. You know? So I'm struggling with it right now. Like what lessons can I teach them? Really just trying to teach by example, trying not to spoil them in every sense. Mm. It's really hard because like you have kids and you're like, I want them to have better than I did. And but does that mean they get to go to Disney World every year on their birthday? Like, probably not. Shouldn't like, but I want to go to Disney World every year on their birthday. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's your birthday, too. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't get to be Disney World on my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But I totally hear you on that. That's like really the work is 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 in us is like holding ourselves back with like, yes, we want to give them what we didn't have. But very often, it's what we didn't have that makes us who we are today. It makes us like uh, all of those experiences are like what brings us our perspective and our drive and our creativity and all of these things that if we give them too much, we kind of like deny them these experiences, right? But we 
love to give them things. And so it can be, it's, it's like, you have to reel yourself in. I think that's like a, I think that's the kind of modern problem of our kids generation very often is the trophy for everything. It's being given absolutely everything. I know the community we came from Savannah is really different, which is one reason why we love being here, but where we were in orange County, I mean, a lot of the parents would be like, you can't drive. You're going to play that sport because that is your sport and you are going to study and you can't have a job because you need to focus. You need to get into that college. You need to do that thing. And we're much more on the side that you're on, like get a job. I want you to have life skills. We taught our son, we taught him how to mow the lawn. Like right away, we're like, you know what? When I was little, Joe from around the corner mowed the lawn and I would have to pay him out of the quarters that my dad was saving for his boat in a big water cooler thing. We would fill it with quarters yeah, and it yeah. was full. He'd get a boat eventually was the, was the goal, but we never, we had to use that for milk money. We used it to pay the boy mowing the lawn. And I was like, Mason, you got to learn how to mow the lawn. So we taught him how to mow the lawn. He was just getting used to it when we left Connecticut and moved to Tahoe where we lived in Tahoe for two years before we came to Nashville, but Tahoe, we don't have a lawn. There is no lawn. It's like we're in the woods and it's like boulders. So, <laughs> and you can't even take out the trash there because there's bear, it's bear lockers. You have to go down the hill, drop your trash yeah. off in a trash bear locker so oh, yeah. all these chores and things we were starting to teach them got knocked away. Mason got to do some of it, but Brady and Tucker didn't really have that opportunity. Now that we're here in Nashville, we're trying to be like, you know what? Someone's got to take the trash can down to the street. When it's empty, bring it back. And then the recycling goes. And then, you know, you've got to go outside and water these plants or you've got to go, you've got to, you know, feed the dogs or, you you know, and trying to find these chores and trying to find these little things, but then going outside in the greater community and doing stuff or you know, I, I feel like I haven't been able to find those opportunities for them either, you know, and, and, but it's funny because my son's friends in Tahoe, even though some of them are, some of them are really, really wealthy. They're the kids have jobs. They work at the ski mountain, they work at the candy store, you know, and they, um, yeah. and they make them have jobs. And I'm like, that's, I need to do that. But my kids are also like, well, I'm so busy and you want me to have good grades. Like, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, and, and not to mention yeah. every time I try to get them a job, no one will take them. It's like PetSmart is like, nope, they have to be 18. You're like, damn, they like animals. That would be a good one for them. Or like, you know, everyone's like 16 and oh, over. PetSmart would be great. I know. Yeah. Well, like, no, that's a really good point. Handle the crickets or you right. know, what kind of leash are you looking yes. for? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's a sort of like program we need. Like we need for them to create like an employment program where there's some sort of like incentive for kind of like some apprenticeship level 15 year old like starting at 15 some 14, sort of thing like that you I can... remember babysitting full yes. time at 12 right and nobody will allow a 12 year old to babysit anymore like I don't know if Max is doing any of that kind of stuff but like no his sister's trying to get into it though because she rides horses which is freaking expensive so oh, yeah. she's like trying to figure out how she can start saving and we use the green light card for them have you heard yes, of this? We have that. A... our kids have that yeah, I love that. It's great. Yeah, we love it. We love it. They have their own Amazon accounts and like buy their buy their things, you know. But Maisie's trying to get into it, but it's it is a challenge. Like we have to get her fully trained, and she's young these days for it. Like people want older older people yeah. to do it. Max is ready to go to work. He's like Target, whatever. Yeah, I want to go work. My, my middle one, in. Brady, is like that. My thirteen year old, he is very much like when he wanted a cell phone. I was in this like wait until eighth grade group of moms that had like agreed to wait till eighth grade to give phones. Brayden, on the other hand, like, I don't know if you ever heard of the gizmo watch, like Verizon has the gizmo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You can get the watch and it has like nine phone numbers programmed in and you can text, but they can only text back like, yes, no, maybe I'll be home in a, you know, 
in 10 minutes or whatever, right. like a few things. And our rule was, if you use this gizmo, if you keep it charged, you don't lose it. You put it in your backpack, you put it up next to your dresser, or you put it in the kitchen counter charging. Those are the only places allowed to go. Six months of using that properly. Oh, and good phone etiquette. You can get a flip phone. Then from a flip phone, six more months, then you can get a smartphone. And Brady, being younger, being like 10, was like, got it. No problem. And he's always answering like, hello, mom. I love you. Bye. And the other one's like, what? Oh, my. <laughs> I know. Oh, my. That's we missed brilliant. the boat on that. We, we didn't. We should have taken notes on that. That's what we get. What? 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 <laughs> so like, but my older one still does it. And so then eventually it was like Brady actually and hands it over like $200 he had saved from the tooth fairy and everything else and was like, here's $200. Here's a Here's a, all the reasons I should have a phone because you want to get in touch with me. Oh. I have friends I need to, you know, I'm starting to get a girlfriend. I want to take her to the movies. I should probably have a phone. I will not get social media, blah, 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 all this stuff. And so we were like, my husband went to Costco and like got two phones and was like, all right, here you go, Brady. And he's like, Mason, who was like in eighth grade at the time, it was like, do you want a phone? You need to do what Brady did. You need to prove to us, you know, you're responsible. You need to give us a list of blah, 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 blah. You need to and figure out how you're going to pay us back for it. And he was like, eh, you'll give it to me when you're ready. Sure enough, he ends up going to school in a different state and we have to get like 45 minutes away. And we ended up having to give it to him because we were like, we need to know if you need to be picked up. Are you taking the bus? Are you staying for sports? Like, so we ended up giving yep, him a freaking yep. phone. And, and it was he was like, right. He was right. <laughs> and we didn't want to do it, but it was very much like, this is not yours. This is ours. You can use it, but we get, we get it back whenever we need it. And so that was, oh, and I'm going to have to do the same thing with a car. Like. This is our car, but you can use it until you lose that right. You know, all these mm. things we try to put. That's place, smart. But none of them, I feel like they also know how to wear us down. Like even my nine-year-old, they all know yeah. like exactly how yeah. many times they'd say, mom, 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 mom. Mm. Until you go, mm. what? Mm. I'm on the phone. You know, they know <laughs> like if 10 times is the time she snaps, then I'll say it 11, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, okay. So this is, this is such wisdom. I want to, I want, I want to put a, like a pin in some of these things. Cause I like, these are just really, really great tips. And I love the it's ours thing. Like I'm so the kids are around here somewhere, but they'll, I think we should make note of that. Like it's ours when it comes to the various things that we <laughs> and you can You're use it until it. you lose the privilege. Until you lose I, it. I, I yeah, it's that. not. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's why I kind of never give them as gifts because then I feel like you can't really take it away. It's there. You gave it to them. Like you're going to take back your, I don't know. A lot of people I know it, when they graduate yeah. fifth grade, give them a smartphone or something. And it's like, here's your gift for graduating fifth grade. And then it's like, well, how are you going to, when you take that away, that's mm. sort of a, a strange thing sometimes i feel like so yeah. with the car i'm actually gonna go buy it's a car he wants a car that i want i want a dodge charger and he wants a challenger but i'm gonna get the charger because it's four-door and i think i'm gonna drive it around for a few months and then be like hey guess what you can have the keys for most of the time unless i want it back smart that's good <laughs> that way it's like but the problem That's is right now like i have a deal going with my brother my brother's like i bet you you will not get him a car He's like, I bet you you're going to get him a brand new car that has an MSRP of over $40,000. And I was like, uh, no and no. Like, I'm going to get him an old beat up. And then my husband's like, no, we're not. We want him to have the safety features of a new car. Like, and then I'm like, oh, it's true. Like, oh, so am I going to lose the bet to my brother? Because then I have to buy my brother a Lamborghini and that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, what Audra had was a very old Volvo. So it, no, 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 it, it no, no, had... no, 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 no. That's not what I had when I in high school. My 
parents let me borrow my mom's old powder blue Ford Taurus. Oh. Uh, but in college, you, mm. I mean, what I thought was so smart was the old Volvo. So oh, I did. Was, I had a 240DL, like, like an 80, like 83 240DL. Yeah. So the thing was a tank, very it safe, and it couldn't go that fast. And yeah. so it was kind of a, a brilliant move, but. I was thinking instead of the <laughs> like a diesel pilot, Mercedes. <laughs> we, went, we went to the dealership I wanted this Dodge Charger. And of course, I, I like fast cars. I used to race as a hobby and I'm like, I want a fast car. But then they were like, well, do you want, my husband's like, we're not getting the one with the Hemi. We're not going to let him drive that. Like a bright red right. charger with a Hemi. Like that's just trouble. So we need the- Oh, like, 16? Yeah. Oh, and of course they were like, <laughs> and they were like, you want the lower, the smaller engine, but like we don't, and right now with what's going on with the chips and the, and the, you know, there's no cars oh, available. Yeah. Supply right now, chain. It's cheaper yeah. to get a brand new car than it is to get a used car. So I'm like, well, I guess my son's going to be getting a new car and I'm going to lose my bet. But we're, you know, mm, in that case, it's like, it, it seems like he's spoiled. Like he's going to get like a really nice car. Like I'd love to get him an old Jeep that, like, I had a Jeep with four different kinds of tires on it. Like my mom bought me this yeah, Jeep for my 17th right. birthday. And it, like, if you turn too fast, that thing was flipping over. I mean, you had to go slow. I drove that thing from Florida to New York when I was 17 and I was like, it was not safe. But at the same time, I also drove it safer because it wasn't a safe vehicle, you know? Oh my God, the things we did in the 90s. So like we grew up with you. It's so crazy to think, but I mean, you were like the the public facing version of us for our generation. You know, like it's so cool to think that, I mean, we both graduated in 95 so that was like totally our era. And it's so it's really, really cool to connect with you as a person because I feel like you've played these roles kind of like for us in a sense throughout life as you were growing up on screen. And hearing these stories, I'm thinking like the things that we did in the 90s and I know it's the right thing to do to let my kids do various things, but I have such a hard time with it. Are times really different? today do you think we just didn't document it the same way right i mean we yeah. have issues with like group text messages you know group chats that are oh, getting yeah. out of control where you invite a stranger on because we've lived all over the place my son invited a stranger on and he started sending inappropriate photos to this whole group of people and it's just um you know we're dealing with all this new stuff all uncharted territory that <sighs> none of us have ever dealt with before and trying to figure oh, out what that means. i can't imagine right it's a nightmare. Melissa, can How you, you imagine if you had yeah. all this stuff when you were that you would age? not have wanted to talk to me if you knew what I had done when I was like the... I mean, I was a pretty good kid. <laughs> to be honest, I was a pretty good kid. You guys read the book, right? You said that on the thing, I think you read the book. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, put yeah. In there some of the, I put in there some of my racier stuff. I mean, there's a few secrets I kept for myself, but it's pretty much all in there. Very good kid. Very disciplined. Yeah. I always said I had a, I think I put in there that I had a uh, coordinated rebellion. Like it was planned. If I was going to do something <laughs> naughty. I made sure I had a lot of time to recover or, you know, <laughs> I always like work planned hard, play hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I make sure I like separate my life out in a certain way where I don't, things don't overlap. Well, the race car thing makes a lot of sense, right? So you like to go fast, but it's on a track. It's with, you know, all <laughs> everyone's the going the same there, direction, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A decade ago, Audra and I received news no parent ever expects to hear. Your four-year-old son has brain cancer. In that hospital room in Orange County, California, we had our fair share of tears and despair. But we also vowed that we would use this to help our family thrive no matter what. A decade later, 
After starting a nonprofit that has served thousands of childhood cancer families, we're on a mission to bring all of the amazing researchers, doctors, therapists, and other experts we've worked with to all families everywhere. That's why we created The Family Thrive, an online platform and community of top health and wellness experts and parents like us who are looking to thrive against the odds. There's fresh daily expert articles and topics that matter to parents like us, like how to cook a superfood meal in under 20 minutes, or the latest sleep science that can boost our kids' mental health, or simple things we can do to thrive as parents. We have top credentialed experts breaking it all down into bite-sized chunks of actionable wisdom. And you know when they say it takes a village to raise a family? Well, this is our village, and it's filled with quick bite expert wellness information and conversations that are designed specifically for busy parents. And when you're ready to dive deeper, we also have group-based workshops written and led by PhD researchers, psychologists, and clinical dietitians. This village is all on your phone, at your fingertips, whenever you need it. Join for free today at thefamilythrive.com. When did you know you wanted to be a mother? Always. I'm the oldest of eight kids. I always, that was always going to be my goal. I had so much success young, right? I, I mean, I never considered my childhood being very successful and even Clarissa years, not necessarily successful. I wasn't able to put any of that money away. So it wasn't until Sabrina came around and that was a very lucrative job. And I was really smart though. I made sure I always saved and whatnot, but I also was like, well, I was successful in, in my career. And I was successful in being able to make a good amount of money. I, I separate those two too. I don't know if like most people maybe combine mm -hmm. those, but like, I think of my career and making money as two different things. And like, I was able to have both. And I thought, well, because I have those two things, I'll never find love. Like I couldn't possibly have oh. all these things. And, um, and so I was wrong. I did find love, but in the preparation of it, I always had plans of like, well, if I'm not married by the time I'm I don't know, 38 or 40, I'll have a baby on my own or I'll adopt. I always wanted to adopt children and, um, and I still do, but I always had a plan to be a mother. Always, always, always. Always. And so can you tell us about, was there a shift from Melissa before motherhood and Melissa after, or were, were you just preparing yourself and you just like glide into motherhood? I mean, looking back, it definitely seems like a different life without children, right? Like I can't even imagine I don't know mm. what I keep trying to think like, I even said to my husband yesterday, because we actually ended up having lunch and walking around the mall together. Yesterday. I was supposed to be working and my work got done early. I actually was doing a commercial for Lifetime and Verizon and it got done about three hours earlier than it was supposed to. And so I was like, do you want to meet me at the mall, have lunch and like walk around and like start Christmas shopping? And it was like this crazy moment. And I was like thinking about it. And I was like, what did we used to do before we had kids? Like we had all this time. Yeah. Did we just... Pick up and go on vacation. Right? Like, what did we do? Right. It just seems like a different world. So, I guess I just never made note of the fact that, like, I got to go to the mall and have lunch. Like, you know, I have yeah. to say, I did. I mean, I think I was very, I felt very confident going into motherhood. My mom had been pregnant so many times. My mom has seven kids, but I'm the oldest of eight. My dad has a daughter, another daughter, like after he remarried. And so having all these babies around, I mean, my, my youngest sister is only like seven years older than my son. So there was always little ones around. There was always diapers to be changed. There was always entertaining, playing, watching Disney movies, you know, all that stuff. So it was always kind of dabbled in my life anyway. And anytime I went to Disney World, even when I was in my 20s, I took my little sisters. And so I always felt very much motherly. So when I was pregnant, I did not expect to not like being pregnant because my mom loved it so much. That was a shock to me. But also like 
Oh, so you didn't like being pregnant? You didn't like being pregnant. What was it? I hated it. What What was it? I don't know. Did you like it? I, so I'm sort of opposite. Like I didn't, I wasn't like a really maternal sort of person before this. And when I got pregnant, I really did enjoy it until the end. The end sucked. The end like really, really sucked. Yeah. But I actually kind of in- enjoyed it. But what was it? Was it the discomfort? Was it, were it was you sick? all of it. It was being scared of everything you do. I think I was like such an independent oh, person. Oh, yeah. And now everyone's telling you, you can't eat sushi. I'm like, what? You can't drink that. You can't, like, I'm getting calls from my mom saying, did you go to this certain workout class? Because my friend had a miscarriage going to that class. You shouldn't go to that class. I'm, oh, it's all the well, fear now not, stuff. So now all I felt comfortable in doing was taking a walk with my husband to go get a bagel or ice cream. And I was gaining so much weight and then I'm uncomfortable and I don't feel good. And I was a very active, like energetic person, but being pregnant freaked me out about everything. Any healthy habit I had had to go away. Like, I like goat cheese and I, all of a sudden they're like, you can't eat goat cheese. You can't have sushi. You got to eat, you know? So now I'm like, okay, I'll have bagels and pasta. And so I'm like bloating like a whale, you know? And I was just like doing all these things. I couldn't go to my workouts and I couldn't, you know? And I was like, ah, I should have asked my doctor more, but in, instead I let everybody infiltrate my brain and just make me mm-hmm. afraid. And I kind of like was sort of like this, especially my first pregnancy. Second one, I had Mason to chase around. I didn't gain as much weight. I felt much better. The pregnancy, the labor was so much easier. Everything was like boom, boom, boom. But then with the third one, I I had this like not morning sickness. I had like afternoon sickness. Come three o'clock in the afternoon, I could not leave the couch with my Oreos or Raisin Bran. Those were my two things. And I could not even get my butt upstairs to go to bed. I was like, not that I was puking or anything. So I know I was really, I never had a terrible pregnancy. I just didn't like the way I felt. And like, I had to do all these things. Like trying to, with the third one, like, my stomach felt like it was going to fall. Like I was going to just tear off of my body. He was so heavy and big and I'd always carry it around. Belly around. Like, I just, I just didn't like it all. But like Ugh. then when the baby came, I wasn't concerned about it. I know how to change a diaper. I know how to, you know, give a bottle. I know how to burp. I know all these things mm-hmm. except for maybe swaddling. That seemed new. I felt like I knew it all. And I expected that I would have this amazing bond with our children and I would be the one taking care of them. But my husband picked it up first day in the hospital. Like I was actually really, really, my body was beaten and bruised after the first one. And he spent the first two weeks basically doing all the heavy lifting around the baby stuff. And he just picked it up like so naturally. And I was kind of like jealous. Like that's what I was, you're supposed to, you're the youngest of three kids. Like, what do you know about anything about kids? (laughs) And he just like (laughs) to it. And he's like, you know, every bath he's there doing bath time and he's there doing diaper changes and he's there giving them bottles when he can. And like everything. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, good. And then I was kind of like, wait a second, slow down. What about me? <laughs> I think you need me yeah. to love it. Like, I, I know I'm giving the food here, but like a little bit. Yeah. And so he, it, but he became such a natural at it that now he's still like Mr. Mom and I get to go to work. So it's not exactly, I imagined having kids and being a little bit more of the full-time caretaker and instead I'm the working parent. So, um, mm. it's not exactly how I envisioned it, but also we have three boys, which I never envisioned. And I mean, this morning we were doing a, who would you save if this car started on fire thing on the way to school we had all three <laughs> in the car, and they all said daddy. And I was like, you know what? Oh, I'm going to go adopt a whole ah. new family and I'm going to find who yeah. always saved me in the car accident. <laughs> 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 the little one was like, well, both of you. He was like, both of you. I yeah, you well, yeah. to shove you both out. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, that is such a trip. And I can identify um, with some of that with Justin. Like he is a really involved dad and I work a lot as well. And the kids like, you know, I'll see things on social media of like, uh, you know, the kids asking for mom and 
the kids will ask for dad. They'll be like, dad, 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 dad. Right. And there is a part of me, there's a part of me that's like super stoked about that. And then there is a part of me that's like, oh, (laughs) you're not coming to me on that, you know? Yeah. Mason went to homecoming for the first time. Did Max go? Has he done any of those kind of school? They haven't had their homecoming, I think, is for basketball. At oh, this okay. Point, but. So we just had it. and It was the first time we've ever had it. But I didn't know any of these kids because we're new here. It wasn't like I imagined it being all these kids that I would know and I'd know the parents and I'd know, you know, I'd keep a little bit better track of where they were going, what they were doing. I was also out of town and my husband was here doing it. Luckily, he knew to get a corsage because I never really went to homecoming. So I didn't know that was like a thing. But luckily, he knew yeah. all that, and he was on top of it, and he made sure they got pictures and whatnot. But um, when I saw the pictures of this girl hanging on my son, I don't know this girl. I thought it was going to be awkward, like, <laughs> like we're standing together taking a picture. They're like, she's like grabbing his bicep. He's got his hand all the way around her waist. She's holding his hand. Like, I was like, what is this? I'm yeah. jealous. I, I, I was the one begging him. I was like, I will buy you new AirPods if you go to homecoming with a girl. But yet, when it happened, I was like, whoa, 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 that's not how I meant to be. Whoa, slow down. I did not envision this. Oh. Oh my and all of a sudden, I was like, wait, she's a short blonde, too. You've totally replaced me. Like, you don't need your mommy anymore. You've got this girl and your yeah. dad. Oh, it's it's really something else. And what a milestone that is, a homecoming milestone. All of Max's friends went to ho- homecoming, and I saw all the pictures, heard all the things that from the moms, all of the... There is a time of like, you're really stoked, but some grief too, right? Like there are days that are just over. Like everybody prepares you for the first, but nobody prepares you for the lasts. And that's, that's become a very real thing for me recently. Like things like Tucker's going to lose his last tooth and he's my last child to lose teeth, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and like all these things, like he was the, he's the last one. I always said second grade is as good as it gets. And he's, you know, this is his last, this is my last second grader. And then I'll just feel like. I have kids above second grade. That just makes me feel old. And like, you know, so there's all these things like you don't really think about like flag football is going to end and they're all on tackle. And just like these little things when you're like, yay, first day of this. But then you're not like, oh my gosh, it's the last time. Like I, I actually took off work on Halloween because I was like, I'm not missing this Halloween. This could be very well be our last. Like we've actually had four Halloweens canceled one because of COVID last year and we moved. So we really didn't know anywhere to go, not even trunk or treat. Like we didn't know how to do anything last year. We drove all around town trying to find anything happening and couldn't. Luckily I'd bought a lot of candy. No kids came to our door. So my kids got all that candy, but they didn't get candy last year. And we had had, um, <laughs> one was canceled uh, because of a snowstorm. One was canceled because of hurricane Sandy coming through the Northeast. And then there was one other thing that happened. I can't remember, but like basically they've had four Halloween's canceled so I was like, I'm going to be home. There's only like two of these left for me to go trick or treating with my kids. So, you know, oh, this is it. Yeah. I, it's, you know, the last one is coming soon. I've just got to want to be there for that, you know, and I don't want to miss those things. But, but what you, what you asked before kind of hit me too, because I also was like one of these moms that never changed. I didn't change for the child. I made my children fit into our life. We still went to lunches and took the kids in the bucket seat or we still, you know, went on trips. We just taught them how to be good on an airplane, made sure we had lots of tricks in our bag and snacks and, you know, lots of diapers and changes and, you know, just make sure we could like go on that trip and and be with those people for that holiday or, you know, bring them to work with me when they could and, you know, that kind of thing. Because also... I did as much traveling with them and as much moving around and and including them in my life when they were little, because I knew someday and it's happening now, there's going to be 10 years of high school and high school football 
where they can't leave. Like all through elementary and middle school, it was like, nope, we're going to Australia for a month. Nope, we're going uh, we're going to Europe for the whole summer. Nope, we're going to go to Africa and do a, a mission trip. We're going to do these things now because... Like I'm freaking out that my husband won't let me plan a trip for New Year's because I'm like, when are we ever going to travel again? (laughs) So, you know, making sure that I got all that stuff in, in the beginning, because I know the next 10 years of our lives are going to be, you know, making sure that they're living up to the responsibilities that they've signed up for. So I'm, I'm right in the middle of this book called hunt gather parent. Have you heard of this? No. Melissa. So it's by this uh, NPR correspondent. She's like a science correspondent, but uh, she took time off to travel the world and visit indigenous communities, like one in Mexico, one in Africa, one I think in Alaska, to see how they parent and like how how have human beings parented for you know hundreds of thousands of years. And one of the lessons that she brought back, which I thought was it was like really mind blowing, but it, uh, it's now brought to mind because of what you said is that all around the world, all different indigenous communities with different traditions, but what they do is they let make the kids fit into the adult world. Like there is no special kid play time. There's no special toys. There's no special things for kids. It's like kids are, are brought into the adult world, like right from the beginning. And the kids are a lot happier. Like they love it. And they grow up learning how to do these adult things. And so by the time they're like 10, they love doing chores. They love helping out. They love doing all this. And it's natural. Like I've noticed with my kids, like, when we started making them take out the trash, my husband was like, I'll just do it. It's just easier if I just do it. I'm like, no, I'm going to leave the bag here all day until they take it out. Like if they're at school, it's going to sit here until they're done with school. If they forget and they go to football, they're going to do it when they get it back. Like it's going to sit here. But eventually after a few weeks of that, of them knowing I take out the trash, now they just do it, you know, but now it's like getting them to empty the dishwasher. That dishwasher will sit open for 45 minutes. I will trip over it three or four times, but I'm still going to make them empty the dishwasher, you know, like. And it becomes natural. And that sounds like what you're talking about. Like I've noticed that with certain chores, if I stick to it, but then I leave town and my husband doesn't stick, my husband just does it. He's doing the laundry. He's doing the dishes. I'm like, no, that's what they're here for. They need to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You're not including them. And then by including them in your work, the way that you bring them with you and you include them in your lives and your travel and things like that, there's so much they're learning. And these life skills like you're talking about, we were talking about before, like, The life skills, a big one is doing laundry. Like, I don't want them to go to college and not yeah. do laundry. They're, and they're boys. They're probably not going to. But at least they'll know how. <laughs> at least yeah. maybe they'll know how. They'll know how much detergent. They'll know what not to put in the dryer. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. Like you At just, least once a month. Tucker yeah. learned the other day, yeah. don't put your crayons in the dryer. Like, it just got all over your clothes. And uh, everything's stuck together now in different colors. And plus, your crayons are ruined. So, tough lesson, you know? Life lesson. I, I think it's so poignant thinking of your last two that's going to like be the last crayons that are going to be in the house like it's a, you know what i mean like we finally that have a white is something that i re- like i can actually get a white yeah. you, know? <laughs> you, can, like that. you can change out your furniture at some point but it is there is pain in that like i see that with my daughter like her voice hasn't changed yet she's 11 and it's like her hands are still small mm. and and like i these little things that you hang on to it, i want to adopt or, or we well we've talked about it and a part of it, to be honest with you, is not just like, I really, really want to have more kids, but I do kind of want to reset the clock a little bit. Yeah. And there's a part of me that wants to have little ones again. Like, it's not too late. You know, it's not too late to be in that space, yeah. especially if you've enjoyed being in that space. Yeah. You know, I, I think about that. I used to always tell my boys, I'm like, oh, I'm going to kiss your little leggies or something before they get all hairy and manny, you know, like 
Like their legs. Like yeah. I always, I'd always like touch their legs and be like, oh, someday these are just going to be hairy, gross, smelly boy legs. And like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, you know, they're getting smelly pits. Their feet, yeah, yeah. Yep. they come home so sweaty from football, you know, and they're just like, they're little pigs. And it's like, yeah, it's starting to happen. Like they're getting a little mustache. Like they get. Oh, the mustache. Yeah, Max has a mustache. And it's oh, like, he has no, a little clear. That's so yeah. gross. Like, <laughs> yeah. So tell us about um, like social media and stuff. Like, how do you navigate? How do you navigate that world? We always told them uh, that it's illegal to have an Instagram account until you're, I think it's 14 or 13. So we always told them that. And, uh, and they're very much like, oh, it's the law. We can't. So they, they lived by that. So that was good. <laughs> that was helpful. You will go to jail. You you will go straight to jail. Also teaching them things like, I said, guys, we're just not like a normal family. Like if you accidentally, like my mother one time did a geo tag on our house and all of a sudden everybody that follows her knows where we live. You know, it's like things like that where you accidentally post what school you go to. Because I don't talk about what school you go to. Like you accidentally post your football uniform or your friend in their uniform or you post uh, the football field or you post the front of our house or, you know, things like that. Then, you know, I do have some fans out there that are uh, a little, you know, not well behaved. And I I don't want that. Like we have to be safe. We have to be careful. Like they've seen people pull up to our driveway and be like, Hey, can we come in? And we're like, no, we forgot to close the gate. Like get out. (laughs) um, You know, they've seen some of that and they see how people kind of come up to us on the street and in public. And so they're really careful about it. So that's a, you know, just telling them it's a safety thing has been really helpful. I don't know for sure that they don't have like a Finsta account. Apparently there's these like fake Insta accounts. They tell the parents there's one and they actually have another, so oh, yeah, so that apparently could be. I just I love that you guys just looked at each other like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh-oh. God no. uh, we know that Max like he he doesn't care. Like he's he likes to watch YouTube and TikTok, and he's not really no. But Maisie, he does not care about Maisie. Instagram, yeah. and Maisie doesn't today. But today. I worry more about her because of the oh, effect on girls. Like Instagram yeah, is yeah. devastating. My- my two older ones, even though they both have Brady's very social, so he wants to watch TikTok, but he also, I did catch him with his own TikTok account. And then he went on mine and I had very clearly said, do not, do not link ours. Do not say anything on yours about you being my son because people will find you and they'll figure stuff out. And he went yeah. on my TikTok, I found. He went on my phone, my TikTok and said, hey guys, it would really mean a lot to my son if you would follow him. So then I was like, you idiot. <laughs> Now not only I have to I have to like delete mine, I have to delete yours. Like, what are you thinking? Like, I had literally said, don't let anyone know who you you can go on and watch. But now you're posting on mine that you have one. Like, what a moron you are! First of all, I totally that's easy to catch you. Like, not very smart, but um, he's my little social butterfly. <laughs> that's hilarious. And, well, he like wants to create the he wants to create the dances and do the fun you know videos and stuff like that. My older one, he wants to fly airplanes on his simulator, and you know and the little one wants to jump on the trampoline. So luckily right now, although the little one does want a YouTube channel and they're hearing like you can make money on YouTube channels and stuff, which is a little, ugh, like, please no. Like, yeah, it's some, it's some sort of like thing going around with the kids that they think that they can become creators and make money. I'm like, how are you going to get, you know, no, and it's I know just some no. Of friends like, do it. it's like, gonna- I don't know enough to protect them from it. Like, I don't know enough yeah, them what right. to do to not do. How do you keep those? You know, I know some of them play video. One of them, the middle one plays video games. How do I know who's playing with him or has he's giving information to, or, you know, right. that stuff. I still am not navigating. I leave that to my husband. I, he's our IT guy, but I don't think he knows either. I mean, we've, 
we've put these kids on lockdown as far as their screen time goes. And, you know, at 10 p.m., all their screens go off and they can't contact anyone unless it's an emergency and things like that. But at the same time, they hack it all the time. My oldest one has hacked everything we've put on the phone. Really? I don't know if I'm really proud of him or really pissed at him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. A little bit of pride, Maybe both. but mostly yeah. anger. You're really passionate about a lot of causes, and it's how we met. Yeah. You, you know, you've I think been involved in childhood cancer before meeting Max, but you're in. You really care about causes that affect kids. It seems you represent a lot of causes. You you ensure that a lot of voices are heard, and that's something that I think goes back to that, like making sure Melissa is seen and heard. All the Melissas are seen and heard. Yeah. You know that part of you, but. But where does that come from? I think it's just so amazing. You use your platform to ensure that people are are seen, heard, recognized for what they go through, that their causes are amplified. Where did where did that come from for you? You know, I think it comes from well, being the oldest kid of so many and feeling so responsible for all of them and wanting nothing but the best for them and not being able to imagine anything bad ever happening to them. But also realizing how lucky we are that I'm a family. I come from a family Mm -hmm. of eight and I have three healthy boys and like I have zero to complain about and I am given a lot of opportunity and I know that that's rare and I know that's fleeting. I know that could be taken away from me at any moment. And so I want to share that as much as possible and spread around money, awareness, hope, love, all of it as much as I can while I can and not take any of it for granted and know that I was only given these opportunities to share with others and to bring joy. Like I, you know, for a while there, I was like, I'm on TV. Like people make it so important. You're a celebrity. Like what's so important about it? There's nothing important about it. But then I get calls from people or, 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 you know, meet people at comic cons and stuff. And they're like, I spent a long time in the hospital and you helped me through it. Or I was really depressed Mm -hmm. and you helped me through it. And you know, and then I, so we started praying before each show during Melissa and Joey, we had a first AD on the set who had worked with Reba. And it's funny because I'm at it's full circle now. I'm working with Reba myself on Young Sheldon directing wow. her, but she worked on her show. She did what a lot of musicians do. She would pray before every show, have her group come together in a circle, hold hands and do a prayer. And she brought that to our first AD. Our first aid brought it to me. And we started to pray before every show. And, and we just started to pray, like, forget all this stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter that we're what's going on. Only thing that matters right now is that we give someone a laugh that needs it. And that's what we would pray. And I have mm. a frame up in my office that says, give someone a laugh who needs it. And that's always my prayer now before I go do a show. Because acting is not, it's, it's not important unless it's for that relief, unless it's for that escapism, right? And so that's what we're good for. And that's what we do. And, you know, all the rest of it is secondary. And so I just try to share and spread the love as much as possible. And I, and I'm trying to teach my kids that as well. But again, like we go back to, you know, it's, it's hard not to teach them to be greedy or to, to spoil them or, um, and that kind of thing. But I also think because of where I came from, I know I don't need a lot, but I also hold on to everything. I mean, I'm sitting in front of all the socks. I am like, I'm like, I will not get rid of these socks because I know there's a pair somewhere, but I could probably afford new socks, but I won't. Uh, no, Melissa, that is just environmentally sound. Well, yeah. I don't use tissues anymore. I use a handkerchief. I don't use cotton pads. I can't get rid of Q-tips. I tried that, but um, Q-tips are necessary in my life. But, um, but you know, like I just try to look out for everybody and take care of everybody. And and I just, I think there's plenty of room around the world for everyone to, there's no need to be competitive. There's no need for any of that. The only thing, like sometimes I do support a lot of different charities. I do tend to focus on the ones with kids because I think that's the most important thing. Your child's health 
and happiness are like the most important things in this world. And, and, and that is something I, I throw myself into and behind. And that's why I work a lot with like youth villages that I just played wheel of fortune. I just won a million dollars. We yeah. saw that. Yeah. That's incredible. That. Congratulations. That so that's amazing. Cool. And that goes back to me <laughs> wanting to adopt and like, yeah. you know, foster yeah. kids mm-hmm. and just imagining kids at 18 years old, aging out of foster care, no one to go home to college. Did anyone help them with the SATs? Did it, you know, like, and what are they going to do as a career? Are they, uh, you know, are they going to join the army? Or are they going to be a bagger at Walmart? Like, what are they going to do? So they do life set and that's, that money's going to go really help life set and all these kids that are going to be on their own soon, you know, cause they have families oh, no. for Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter. Or what about summer break? If they are in college, you know, yeah. where do they go? What do they do? So to try to get them on their feet. And, you know, I just love putting myself, I think part of being an actor is putting yourself in other people's shoes and understanding the background. Like even look at like Cruella, right. The most recent movie. And I didn't actually see it, but to know that this woman that is thought of as so evil has a backstory and there's a reason. And there's something that happened to her in her childhood yeah. that, you know, makes her be so hateful, but really it's just someone calling out for love and attention. And so if we can share that earlier, then, you know, maybe we can put a stop to some of the hate and some of the the drama that goes on um, around the world. Mm. And so I've always just wanted to reach out and help be helpful. But I do feel like sometimes I might dilute the charities that I really love, but I just love so many. I just want to help everybody. You do a beautiful job. You really do. You know, years ago, I I I should start a foundation, but I was like, but there's so many I want to help. I don't want to compete with them. I want to help them. So how can I just like Uh, be involved with everybody? That's beautiful. I think it's part of your calling is, is connecting people to these causes and connecting people to other people's experiences, you know, broadening our world, bringing that love and, and fantastic. You bring just like this light energy. And I think it's so important because you amplify a diversity of causes. And I think that's what we need to see. There are so many ways we can show up in the world. Yeah. Like there's more than enough opportunities to show up and do something good and help someone smile today. Yeah, there are. Help make there someone's are. And day I, good today, right? Yes. And and that's the thing. And like, you know, I already made my list of like the charities I want to help for Giving Tuesday or who I'm going to donate to, and who yep. I'm going to, you know, promote. And you guys are on there. Um, oh, but like, you know, you. it killed me in Wheel of Fortune to not be able to split it up amongst all my favorite charities. I mean, you guys and uh, Hole in the Wall Gang, up in Connecticut, which was, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, what the work they do there is incredible. And then youth villages and then world vision who helps out on a global scale, mm-hmm. children and families mm-hmm. all around the world. And I mean, there's so many, my friends, the president of lupus LA and helps people with autoimmune diseases, just a really unknown, you know, a disease that not a lot of people know about or oh, aware yeah. of. And no, but when I saw the wheel of fortune thing, I, I, I mean, I, I loved that program. Life set seems like such a powerful, impactful program. So I, I was, I was absolutely thrilled <laughs> to see that. So we are now going to ask three questions. Justin keeps us on track. I like yes, it. Yeah, keeps us like on track. So yeah, yeah, I'm the, yeah, I'm the driver. <laughs> She's the personality. So, uh, I, <laughs> so we ask these three questions to every guest. And so we start with, if you could put a post-it note, on every parent's fridge tomorrow morning, what would that post-it note say? Be a good listener. That's always what I say to my kids when they go to the school bus. Be a good listener. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a good listener, um, it helps you in every aspect. I tell my kids, I'm like, if you're a good listener, you'll be a good friend. You'll get, be a good student. You'll be a good child. You'll be a good parent. You'll be you know, a good neighbor. And I need to learn that myself because I'm a big talker. 
as I've proven in the last hour. I need to listen. Oh, thank goodness you're talking. I need to listen more. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, but I need to, and that's the thing. I've always been like, it's always been my job to be the talker, but, um, yeah. and I excel at it, but I, but I need to listen more too. I need to listen to my kids. And I, and they're always telling me that like, mom, you didn't even listen to the answer. You know, I do need to listen more and I need to, I also, for me, I like my post-it note would probably say, ask more questions. Like I want to, I never want mm, curiosity. Like I, ne- I never want to, I want to let, I want to let you know everything about me. So you feel comfortable telling me about you. I don't want to ask Ooh. questions because I might ask the wrong question or maybe it's something I should already know or, you know, that kind of thing. And I, mm. I think I do need to ask more questions, but in general, I think good advice all around the world is be a good listener. We're going to give you two then. So it's ask more questions, be a good listener. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I like that. Melissa, is there a quote recently that you came across that changed the way you think or feel? There. So I posted one on Instagram. Let me look real quick. My friend runs this program called Onsite, these workshops down here in Nashville. And they have one as well in uh, San Diego. He wrote this. Love is not telling people what they need to be included. It's including them and reminding them why they belong. And that one really struck mm-hmm. me. I haven't seen a quote in a while I that love really that. struck me. But my kids actually say that I always quote, I think it's Dr. Seuss or Winnie the Pooh who says, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And that's when yeah. I live by. And my kids have started to live by that one. Um, because of these, yeah. like we were talking about these lasts. And when when you have these lasts, not just the first, but the lasts. And, and, and it seems upsetting. Like, you know, when my son graduates second grade or loses mm-hmm. his last tooth, like I can't cry because it's over and just smile because it happened. It's smile a beautiful reminder and in a way of living life, especially with things are fleeting. We don't, you know, we're a blip. Yeah. We have with the little bit of time that we have to live life like that, you'll be present, yeah. right? Yeah. You really get it. Yeah, I will. love that. Yeah, that's the thing. Tr- always try to be present, right? Mm-hmm. So the last question really dovetails nicely. As you well know, it can be exhausting raising kids. There's, you know, the schedules and all the, everything that goes into it. And so it's nice to take a break and, or a step back and think, what do we love about kids? So Melissa, what do you love about kids? I love the innocence. I love the, mm. the simple view on life. My kids got so upset with me the other day because I wouldn't go on the trampoline with them. And they're like, just, I'm like, it's too cold out. I have things to do. You don't understand. And like, just go on the trampoline. Are they going to remember that I, you know, cleaned the dishes or are they going to remember that I went on the trampoline with them? And which one is going to be more important at the end? And mm. I need to do that more often. And they see life like that. You know, they see life in a, with more play. And um, I mean, I always say, do what you have to do. Then you get to do what you want to do. But at the same time, it's like, they they just have this innocence of like, just like a simple outlook. There's like, there's like that one thing they want and they want to do. It might be like their goal is to get that piece of candy or it might be that might, might be to get mom on the trampoline or it might be that they want that sleepover next weekend. And you know, whatever that one goal is, they really focus on those things, man. And they go after them. So we could learn from that. (laughs) Yeah. Being in the moment. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It goes back to presence. It's like they're ultimately present, right? It's yeah. really cool. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for yeah. sharing everything with us. Well, I want to ask you guys, can you give me an update on like Max and how he's doing and, and your, because I haven't, yeah. I've been a little like in the last few years that I've been missing you. Like, can you guys give me a little 101? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, Max sweet. is doing really well. He is still fighting. So he still has cancer. Like he has tumors in his brainstem and um, they, 
he'll go through these phases where they'll grow and then kind of we'll get on treatment or something and he'll stabilize and then grow. So it's been over 10 years of fighting this disease, but um, we're lucky. He's so lucky he's still with us and he has a really great quality of life. He's on a uh, targeted therapy. So one of the new cancer drugs that targets like a specific pathway um, for the cancer and it's been working. So he had disease that was growing so rapidly as of early 2020. It was like growing so much. It was crazy because a friend of mine was like, can you just take him out of school and just go and just be with him for the next few months? Because we didn't know what was going to happen. Like it was really pretty dire. They're talking about like palliative surgery. Like what what, what were you going to do? And then COVID hit and COVID's been, you know, devastating. Mm. But for us, in some strange way, it gave us this crazy powerful time together to just be together and for him not to be in school and not, you know, and, yeah. and so we really treasured that, but he, he's now treated in Atlanta and he is doing really, really great on this targeted drug that's saving his life. It's literally saving his life right now. And what so other bad you. side effects with it or is it more mellow? There's some side effects like weight gain and it causes Joint like pain. Uh, yeah, like joint pain. And so he can't run. One of the things he used to love to run. Um, so he can ride his bike and he can do Peloton and things like that. But he used to love to run. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a bummer. He can't do things like that. It causes like some skin problems and things that like a 14 year old doesn't love. No, you know, like, you know, but he's starting a nonprofit uh, program here locally for after school weightlifting. And he's really getting excited about that. He would be he would make a great football player. He's a big dude. Oh yeah, he's a really like he's he is like well like set for it, but um you know I'm his sure they neurosurgeon wouldn't let him. would not approve. No, his neurosurgeon <laughs> wouldn't approve. But yeah, he's he's doing really well. And Max Love is is ten years old. I mean, it's incredible. We just celebrated our tenth anniversary, and we're moving into the next ten years. And it's just uh, we're doing incredible things in the world of integrative and complementary quality of life enhancing care for childhood cancer and rare disease families. And we're doing work that really uh, no one else is doing in the space. And that's why we're doing it. So I hear you when you talk about like, I'm so drawn to if I could do anything, I'd be like some VC, but for like charities mm. and find a way to like help everybody like accomplish their missions because I just love it so much. I love it when people are in there doing the work, making a difference. Yeah. And we do what we do because we ha we have to. It like until we can drop the mic and say we accomplished this and we've changed healthcare for kids, then we're going to be in it. Yeah. And so maybe one day, maybe one day we can graduate and do something else. But for now, we're making we're making that difference and and growing. Still super grassroots, you know, um, on well, the ground I'll be, doing, I'll be doing this for work, you guys, and I'll be sharing your story with you. my boys and just update them and. Um, and definitely keeping you in our prayers and uh, and sending as much awareness your way as possible. We appreciate oh, it so much. so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for spending this time with us. It was really great to really connect well, with maybe, you. And you know, if you guys, I love your Nashville, stories. Bring bring Max come to a game or something, and I think we're going to be in. Uh, oh, we'd love to state championships soon. So come on out. What? <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> That's awesome. So awesome. I don't know if he'll get to play, hey, well, but we'll see. <laughs> Do you think that he's headed towards, like, does he want to play professional football? So he wants to play professional football just to fund his airline he's going to start. He thinks he's Richard Branson, but he doesn't want to read a Richard Branson book because he knows how to do it. He's already got a business plan. 
<laughs> Very cocky 15 year old. Sounds like you don't you don't need the books. Sounds yeah, yeah. like both well, it sounds like you, your mom and your dad, like all of you are like really, really incredible entrepreneurs. But but more power to him. I love hearing that. I love hearing big fan. vision ideas. I just think fan. it's awesome. The little one's like, maybe I'll be a YouTuber. And I'm like, no, let's, let's take a little bigger. <laughs> Work at PetSmart. <laughs> what about an airline? <laughs> oh, that's oh awesome. Yeah, we'd well, love to see you. Guys. We'll let you know if we ever come out there. And let us know if you ever come to Savannah. I will, actually. I will. It sounds like a, that sounds like a great spot to just do a little trip to. So I will, for little sure. beach trip, yeah. Well, you well, guys have, be well. Say hi to the kids for me. Likewise, and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye, you guys. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Family Thrive Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe tell two friends and head on over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts and give us a review. We're so grateful you've chosen to join us on this Family Thrive journey.